0: Okay, let's get into Parsha's Mikates, Chanukah, Tufshin, Ayin, Hay. Again, we'll focus mostly on the Parsha, and then we'll have, uh, hopefully one thought at the end relating to Chanukah. Next week, we will also, Be'en Hashem, have a, uh, a Chanukah thought, but it also relates more to Vayigash, so we'll, uh, wait with, wait with that. But first, we start off with Parsha's Mikates, and we start off, uh, acknowledging that over the next seven Parshios, a major player in our Parsha discussions will be none other than paro. Right? Paro is going to be uh, part of our discussion for Mikes, Vaikashvayiki, Shmosva Era, Bobishalach. Right, for the next uh, number of parshios. So where does Paro come from? Paro comes from, if you look in the Rashbam, in Impulant'ara, uh Paro is the name of the position. Paru is not the name of the person, says the Rashbam. Again, remember, whenever the Rashbam talks, he's talking with a pshat orientation, even more than others. Remember, we didn't mention it last week, but a number of years ago we mentioned it last week. Parashas Vayeshev, the first Rashbam, Vayeshev, tells us that Rashbam says, I spoke to my grandfather about this, Rashi, and he said if he would have had time, he would have written his commentary over again, changing it to closer to Pshutoshal Mikra. That's what the Rashbam himself testifies. So the Rashbam is always focused on Pshutoshal Mikra. So here too, the Rashbam tells us, Mm -hmm. when we have paro over the next set of Parshios. It's not one person. Besides the fact that Chazal darshan, okay, El Rabin Shmuel, whether it's Chadash Mamish or just Nischad Shugzei Rosaf, but in general, Paro is the name of a position. paro Alav Adav says the Rashbam in source number one. Call Paro Bilashon Mitzrayim Melech. Paro means the king. V'chein Kol Malchim Mitzrayim Nigrahem, all kings of Egypt. And says the Rashbam, there are. I'll give you at least three other examples of this in Tanakh, where we have a name that's a name of a position and not the name of a person. V'chein call, sorry, vishal plishtim Avi Melech, plishtim kings are Avi Melech in the times of Avraham. Afilu made David, right? What do we say every Shabbos morning? Bishanosu is Tamo, Avi Melech. What, Avimelech in the time of Abraham? Melech, just so happily the same name? No. Avimelech is the position of the president of the Plishtim. Avi Melech, my father, the king. Vishel Yerushalayim. And leaders of Yerushalayim, says the Rashvam, this is his chiddush, we mentioned this in Novi a couple of weeks ago, have tzedek in their name. So we know from earlier in Braishis, Malki tzedek, melech shalem. So we know that shalem is Yerushalayim. And Adoni Tzedek in Sefer Yehoshua. So leaders of Yerushalayim have Tzedek in their name. Because Yerushalayim is the city of Tzedek. The city of righteousness. Tzedek. Ubi me David. Al Ani Mavtiyach, Shati, Malki Tzedek, Melech Yerushalayim. Shelah Molech. He adds one. Agag. Agag. Vime Moshe, V'yaro, Me Agag Malko. Bilam says. And in the BMA, Shaul, Agag Melech Malach Again, the same name. Why is it the same name the same con- in the same nation? Because that's the name of the position. Paro, Avi Agag, Tzedek, Avkan Paro Lashon Malchus. So to hear, says the Rashbam, Paro is the Lashon of the position of Malchus, Ki Bishmo Shel Melech Ein Obrim Lefanav Paro Katsaf Also, he wouldn't have said, Yosef wouldn't have said, uh, Paro without, you know, Your Majesty, right? Calling him by, on a first name basis? No, Paro was the position, the president, right? Paro katsaf alava, alava Elakach omrim lifanav hamelech katsaf alava Or the, the sarim, the saramashkim. Bechel lefaneinu, ani paro, ani eia hamelech levadi, kiddichsev rakachiseyag dalmi mecha, velechhe nikra yosef avrech avlamelech, so that's the Rashbam getting us started, telling us how we should understand when we talk about Paro over the next couple of weeks, Paro is the name of the position. Also keep in mind, we mentioned this a number of years ago, that many Egyptian names have a Peh and a Resh in them. Peh and a Resh, even Ephraim, of um, son of Yosef, but uh, a lot of them have, have Peh and Resh in them, um, relating to, um, look at Rabbi Yaakov he points that out later in the Sefer. Okay, so we start off talking about Paro and Paro's dreams. Torah starts off in the Parsha, it was at the end of the two years, the end of the two years that Yosef was in jail. Think about how old Yosef was. He comes to Mitzrayim, he was 17 years old, he was sold, and then altogether it's 22 years until his father comes down. But he still, as yet, to have the two years of famine, the seven years of plenty beforehand. That's nine, and these two years sitting in jail. That's eleven years uh, back from the twenty-two years. So now he's twenty-eight years old, uh, thirty years old. It's the two years after. Fine. So the pasuk says that he's Paro is dreaming while Yosef is sitting in jail. Paro choleim and he's on the yor, and we have the dreams about the fat cows and the skinny cows and the Shibolim Dakim, and the Shibolim Brios Vitovos. Asks the Nitziv. Two questions. If you were writing the Torah, everything in the Torah is in past tense, and it happened. And yet, our Mesorah have the Nikudos as Paro is dreaming. Present tense. So, question one is why is Paro dreaming? Isn't it past tense? Ufaro chalam. Question number one. Question number two. Keep reading the pasuk. V'hine omeid al ha-yaor. and he is standing on the yor. What does that mean? Standing on the yor. Al Al yad How do we say it in biblical Hebrew? You don't say liad. Okay, but. Al-Yad Hayar. Right? We say it um, next to the Yaar. It's as if he's standing on the Yar. Why is he standing on the Yaar? So why is it present tense, Cholaim? And why is it Vihine Omed Al-Hayar? Two questions. Says the Nitziv. Says the Nitziv. Let's try to get into what the Pasik is teaching us about the personality of Paro. As we have to focus on him. We spend a lot of time about the personality of. Yosef, and his brothers, and Yaakov, but not so much about Paro. So we're gonna talk about Paro too. Says the Hemig Dover, source number two. Right, the Lashon is not Meduktak, it's not exact how it's supposed to be. This is what it should say. He had a dream. Al yada yaar Al Sfas HaYa'ar, right, he should have, should standing on the edge, Colossian Paral Yosef, as Paro himself says to Yosef later on when he is retelling the dream, V'edaberem parol Yosef, later on in Pasuk Yuzayin, B'chalomihineni Omeid Al Sfas yaar on the edge of the Ya'ar. You're not on the Ya'ar, so why here does it say that he is Al HaYa'ar? Umizahalu chazal, gracious rabba, kavana nifla. From this problem, that is why chazal have the following comment in the medrash. Kavana nifla, line 6. Omar Paro, mi miskayem almi. Who, let's translate this as, who is dependent on who? Who is the independent factor, and who is the dependent factor? What are the two factors? Me, Paro, and the Yaor, the Nile. The Nile symbolizing the plenty and the affluence of Egypt. That's why all of the major um, cities in the days of old were next to water because that was what sustained and what supported. So, says the Madrish, Al Paro, Ami miskayim almi, Ani al hayyaor, Oh, how you are lie! Am I dependent on the yar? Why is Mitzrayim such a great place to live? Why is Mitzrayim so affluent, so amazing, the center, the greatest metropolis of, of the biblical time? Is it me? And the yar happens to be, you know, work out that I'm here, but it's in my ischus. Or is it the Yaar, and I just happen to be the right man in the right place at the right time? So which is it, Paro? constantly pondered that issue because of his gaiva because of his focus on himself so what's the answer given here you are dependent on the yaor it's not you Paro give it up it's the yaor it's meaning, the nile meaning Paro always wondered Is it me? But this Pasuk and the Pasuk and the Torah is alluding to us and in the dream it was being alluding to Paro that it's him, that it's him that he is a reliant and he is the, not the independent factor, but the dependent factor. Let's read it again. That's the Medrash. Let me explain, says the Nitzvah. There is a deeper meeting hidden here in the Tamid. Why is it present tense? Because this is what he always thought. He always thought about this question. It wasn't a one-time dream. What is the source of the great Hatzlacha and success? That happened in Mitzrayim at that time. Im it? The king? Me? and everything around me. I bring the bracha. Ola or is it the opposite? And I happen to be the right man. shehuo made through this Maysa through the dreams. What's going to happen in the dreams? There's going to be years of plenty. But right after that, there's going to be years of famine. It's the same paro. Paro, if it was all about you and you were in charge, that this wouldn't be happening. So what is this dream and the interpretation that you will hear prove? That you are dependent on the Ya'ar. The who omeid. He is Omeid. He is standing and hanging. Allah Yaar. On the or the Ya'ar, meaning a separate factor, the yar, meaning nature, meaning a kaddish is in charge. Vinesgalav osa ma'isa shahu omei alah yar Shahare, call inyan haraav lohaya elikide. What was the what was the whole reason for the years of plenty and then the years of hunger? Kidei shep yiskalgel yiskalgel hadavar sheyerdu yisrael mitzrayim to get. The, it, Am Yisrael to get the Shvatim down to Mitzrayim? How are we going to get them down to Mitzrayim? Well, if we create a famine in all the lands, so famine in all the lands and years of plenty first in Mitzrayim, and they know about it, and they and they store up for all the years. This whole story is all about getting Am Yisrael and the Shvatim down to Mitzrayim. And Paro happened to be in Mitzrayim. And therefore, this entire story takes place. He's, that's the land where Hashem decreed hundreds of years ago that they're going, going to go down to Mitzrayim. Not Dafka. This man, he just happens to be there. So, it's present tense. Because this is what he always thought about. This was his philosophical question thinking about himself trying to take the credit but this dream and the story that was going to come out of this dream was going to prove to him that he is just a pawn he is not the player in the story of life in the story of the Yehudim okay moving right along so now we have the dreams i like to quote something that uh, we actually used five years ago, but it's uh, worthwhile to review and I uh, beg indulgence for those who, uh, who remember it. But uh, it's a defining Rev Zevin. Rev Zevin tells us dreams, right? we have dreams in this week's Parsha, we have dreams in last week's Parsha. As we mentioned, we have dreams throughout Sefer Bratius and nowhere else in the Torah. Sefer Bracious is full of dreams. It's the dream Sefer. Maybe because it's the safer that lays the foundations for later stories, as we spoke about in the past She'urim. A dream is about a potential that is in the future. Asks Rav Zevin, or Rav Zevin first points out. Source number three. Chalom paro chalom shlomo. Paro has dreams, shlomo. Af alpi shalachshon echad neomar bishnehem. Even though the same word is used There are major differences. There are dreams, and there are dreams. Let me explain. There are three types of dreams that we have. Number one, which we would say is most of our dreams. Total nonsensical dreams. Dreams that don't make sense, dreams that are not meant to give us any type of message—they make no sense. We wake up and we're like, "Whoa, that was the strangest thing that I have ever thought in my entire life." And about ten minutes later, we don't even remember it. But that's dream category number one, and that's what Chazal say: Vi'Alav Amru Divre Chalomos Lomalim V'Lo v'lo-mo-ridim. Dreams, forget about dreams. Lomalav ridim Right? If you look in the ninth paragraph of Maseches Brachis, it's all about dreams. And there are opposite types of chazals. Some of them say, forget about dreams. Don't worry, don't focus on it. That's category one. Category two type of dream, Bayes, Shahu MS Vinachon A dream which is totally true and clear. Pitro notes without a need for Interpretation. We might call this nevuah. We might call this a message from God. Clarity. Moshe Rabbeinu had it all the time, but he had these dreams when he was awake. So it wasn't even a dream. But there are certain other dreams that are clear. Very few and far between. And then there's the middle type of dreams. They're not so clear, but maybe they could be interpreted to mean something. It's the midpoint between these two. The first two, who MS, it has a true message, It's not total nonsense of a but as is, it's not usable to me. I can't figure it out. Elohu kimushal nimshal. It's a mushal, but I need the nimshal to understand the mashal. Remez haton pesher. It is a hint that requires an interpretation. So, if we think about Shlomo's dream, that's clear. That's Category 2. Chalomo shalomo haya nevuah. MS kamo Right When he talks about, when he talks to HaKadosh Baruch when he's building the base of Migdash, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, What do you want? And HaShalomo says, Chachma. That's what I want. kamocha. I'll give it to you. And because you asked for the right thing, I'll throw in everything else too. Gam osher, gam Shlomo You don't need any interpretation. Shlomo knew exactly what that meant. Chris Hu was talking to him. no need. And then there are the dreams that most of us have all the time. We don't remember most of them. But then you have Paro's dream. Paro's category three. And he knew it. He knew there was meaning to this dream. Says Riv Seven on line eleven. halom Paro. But let me explain, says even category three has two categories. Within the type of dream that requires interpretation, there are two types of interpretations that could be given. One interpretation is, this is what it is, information given. Without any control, to do anything by the dreamer. Just okay, now I know something. Thank you. Maybe I had a kasha and, and the kasha's answered. But the yeshu loda machovato. But then the other type of interpretation is this is what the dream is telling you, and this is what you need to do. And you have some control. The yasena, vilifo. And that explains Riv Zevin is why Paro was not happy with any of the other interpretations that he heard. Right, if you think about it, we know that Madras, Rashi quotes it, that all of his heart all of his dream interpreters, gave him interpretations, and Paro didn't like them. What do you mean you don't like them? I'm a dream interpreter, I'm telling you what it means. You don't like it, tough luck on you. But it says that Paro didn't accept it. He felt that something wasn't wasn't fitting right. Why? Because Paro felt, says Zevin, that this dream must be telling him to do something. It can't just be telling him something's going to happen, like his daughters are going to die. Okay, but what did that do for me? Paro understood that this was a message. There was a hidden message here. And that's why he said, I can't fathom. Your your dream interpretations don't fit. Yosef was the first one that said, this is what's going to happen, and this is what you need to do. And that's by the way why Yosef added that, even though he wasn't asked about it, because he realized that's part of the message. Part of the message is, this is the Mitseus, and this is what needs to be done. Line 14: Yosef. This was the difference between the other interpretations and Yosefs "Haim kover. You're going to bury seven daughters. You're going to give birth. You'll conquer these lands. They'll, they'll uproot you. What does that do for me? Says Paro. Because it's always hard for us just to get information that we have no control over. It's much easier to get information that we can then do something about it. And that's Paro also. Three types of dreams. Three types of dreams. And that's why Yosef's Pitaron was unique against the others. Says Rav Zeven, we don't only have to apply this to dreams. We can apply this to Ashkophis of our life. Parallel, three ways we could view the world around us. Shalosh Hashkafas Olam Says Rav Zevin. They're not exactly the same, but they're parallel to the three that we just had. Hakol Some look around at the world and think it's everything is like foolish and nothingless and worthless and it's nonsensical and it doesn't make sense. That's it. Why Category 1? The whole world! There's no order in the world. Everything is is tov avohu. Mashu kecheres anishvaru kechitz yavesh as we say on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, others might look at the world as the goal itself. Okay, this is it. There's clarity. Right, This is it. What I see in front of me is exactly it. That's the goal. The world isn't a means. It's a goal. And the Torah doesn't say either of those. Of those. The Torah is not nonsensical and foolish. It doesn't make sense. Not that extreme. But also, it's not so clear that what you see here is everything. It's the third approach. We take what is in front of us and we use it. And we take it as a message. First of all, he rejects the first two. Number one, Right? The the mitzvah of Lasheves, as it's called, go out and populate the world and conquer the world and make the world a better place. That shows there's some purpose to the world. Zui This is a negation of the first Ashkafa. Right? But number two says Koheles, that I see the world, and a lot of things don't make sense to me. Meaning, this isn't the goal. It's not there's no clarity. It's not that everything is clear, like dream number two. Like, what I see in front of me is exactly what I'm supposed to be focused on. No, I have to use what I get and then go to the next step. I have to use the message of the world and then use it to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The world is a dream waiting for interpretation kama shal nimshal ve apitaron bot me ilomemela and the pitaron the interpretation doesn't happen by itself it's not like the information category 3 it's the i have a job category 3 umemela ela sha pitaron hu bi adam a lov latkenata olam pasrachas amase matovim vavtoras ator va mitzvos so the world that's the quote for the evening. It's a dream waiting for interpretation, and it's our job to interpret the world properly, to take it and serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu with all the tools and all the messages that he, that he gives us. right? And then he even says it out there, Maybe that's the message of the mezuzah and the menorah, the Hanukkiah at the doorway. I can't go into my house and close off the world and think the world is nonsense and foolishness I like close, my close myself off inside my house. And I can't go out into the world and think the world is great and amazing and live out there and stay out there and celebrate out there and that's the goal. No, no, no. I have to fuse them. Fuse those two hashkafos with the mezuzah and the menorah and the Hanukkiah. I have to take those and realize that I could sanctify all the worlds the inner world and the outer world, with the message of the Hanukkiah, with the message of the mezuzah, that is the key to the holiday of Hanukkah. Interpreting the world, right? What are the Yavanim? He doesn't add this, but we'll add it. The Yavanim were all about celebrating Gashmias, celebrating the physical, celebrating what's in front. We've mentioned many times, even the word Yavan, Yud Vav Nun, they're just, there's no inside. Those are the three letters of the alphabet that have no benemius. There's no inside. They're just lines. Yud, Vav, Nun. There's nothing inside of them because that's what the Yavanim believe. In the physical, what's in front of me. And we believe, no, that's not what we do. We use the physical, but we use it to serve our Baruch Hu. Yes, we do exercise, but life's not about exercise. Life's about exercising to keep healthy to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And all other related issues related to, to Yavan. Three types of dreams, three types of ways to rule the world. Worth repeating five years later, as Hashem. Okay. Moving right along. Parak Mem Aleph, a couple of psukim in, again, jam-packed parshes. Let's see what we could do. So Parah wakes up and he's very upset. He's very upset. And who's the first person he sees in the morning? Interestingly, the says, Nobody Nobody gives him any interpretations that he's happy with. So who's the next person he tries to talk to? The Sarah Mashkim. Sarah Mashkim. Some wine. So the Sarah Mashkim says, oh, wait! Right, a commonly quoted Pusik uh, by those who forget something. Now I remember. I remember Paro, remember Paro, this was the Raya, the Rashbam brought, Mashkim wouldn't talk to power on, on, on a first name basis. The president got angry at his servant, meaning me. You put me in the jail. And what happened in the jail? Myself and my good friend, the Sar HaOfim, we had dreams. And what happened in Pasuk Yudbez, v'shamitano Ivri. There was a Jewish young man, Eved l'sar Tabachim, a servant to the Saratabachim. And we told him, and he interpreted, I'm sure, Paro, that he could help you out. Rashi. Rashi on Naar Ivri Eved. Naar Ivri Eved. Right, those three words. There was a Naar Ivri Eved. Says Rashi, Arim The wicked should be cursed. Sheein tovasam shlema. Their goodness is never complete. They never really do anything perfectly good, the Rishayim, that he mentions Yosef in a degrading, insulting fashion. Oh, I remember that Jewish child servant. What a Russia, Rashi says. And the question is, is it such a terrible thing to say that Rashi says, it's so terrible. And also, let us add, ask the Machze Eliyahu, quoted here in source number four in Delekach Tov, line number one. How could he even lie? Right, if he. All the time in the jail, he must have gotten to know Yosef a little bit. I'm sorry, I didn't even read the next Rashi. Let's look back at the next Rashi for a minute. What did the next Rashi say? The next Rashi says, Naar. What did he mean by calling Yosef a Naar? Shote. He was a fool. He was not of proper mental stability. Vain Roy Le Dula. Right, yeah, I know you might bring him up to like, you know, be your be somebody if he interprets your dream properly, but he's not rightly. How could he call him a shote? Why is he lying? Right? He's a Yosef is not a fool. You might be an anti-Semite, but you know he's not dumb. Right? He obviously is a very smart man that you were in jail with for two years. Right? So, um, or not two years, but two years Yosef. But afterwards, but for a while. So how did he lie? Says the Machzaleiyo, has shaladvarim who shebe'em es lo amar Yosef shote. Really, literally. Doesn't say doesn't say that he said he called him a shote he called him naar ivri eved those are all true those are all true those words but unbelievable says the ma'ase Eliyahu. barum kasher adam shomea al adam shehu naar mitoreres shomea hamachshava he called him a kid he didn't say he was a fool. He said, Oh yeah, there was a little kid. Why did he say that? Bedera Klal, and why do you call him an Eved? And why do you call him an Ivri? Because what does Paro know about people who are Naar and Eved and Ivri? He generally thinks of them as the low class of society. You know what the Sarah Mashkim is doing? He's giving Paro a first impression. When somebody has a first impression about something, about anything, about anybody, it is so hard to overcome that first impression. It's so hard, right? As the saying goes, there's only one time to make a first impression. But Derek says, generally avadim don't aren't such great people saramashkim. you know what the wickedness of the Saramashkim is yes he didn't say anything false but what did he do he wanted a rank on Yosef he wanted to plant into Paro's head that Yosef is not a good guy right he's an ivory the ultimate anti-semitic act here what does he say he knows, he knows Yosef is going to do great things. So what could he do? So He plants something into Paro's brain. Klal Gadol, line 11. Pataras nefesh Adam. Haroshim ha'irishon nechrez bo'amok. The first depression goes deep. A'chekoshim ma'od Okro. It's very hard to uproot it. And he says, you know where this comes up? In our lives. Talking about other people. Especially in the world of Lashon Imagine if I tell somebody, if, I tell, if I'm if Malshin, I say Malshinar about somebody, I say, yeah, he's not really such a smart guy. Then that person who heard that could hear a physics lecture in a, in, a, in a graduate school about physics, about something, and I'll say, wow, that's amazing. But in the back of his head, he will always remember my comment. And at any point in the future, if he if he's, can ever be that person, oh yeah, the guy told me he's not so smart. It's so hard to uproot something that we have heard, that we've said, that we've, con, that we've conditioned ourselves. He says, that's that's the, so, this, the pernicious nature of an evil word about someone else. I could spend the next five years trying to convince you that he's a smart person. I was, I was wrong. I was wrong. He's really smart. But it doesn't change the fact that I first said he was a fool. And it's never going to change. It's never. It's never. If I never heard that. That's why if you ever, you know, you ever hear, comes up in the, in the uh, Shiduchim world. One person says something that, that's a little bit negative, then the other person will always have that in the back of the mind even if for the, the, the next seven dates are unbelievable awesome. Yeah, but that person told me, so I'm waiting for that to come out. It's so pernicious. That's why it's such an achrayas on anyone who's involved in any type of, of, of profession that talks about other people. You know, our lives, we talk about other people. So it's not just the profession, all of us. But he says that's, that's what we learn from the Saramashkim. Nar, eved, ivri. That's what he was doing to Paro. And he says, it's even alluded to in a Pasek in Tehillim that Chazal relate to Lashon Hara. Line 15, the Pasek says in Tehillim, Kufchaf, Chitze gibar shinunim, The arrows of a gibar are sharp, Im Gachale resamim, in coals, coals of rotem wood. What does that mean? The measure says, Rotem wood lasts forever. Once you light it, it like remains hot forever. Aids kasher madlikin also who boer yamim rabim The medrash even tells us in Tehillim that a father and a son had a barbecue and they made a fire. They had a fire and they left. They came back a year later and it was still hot. Avrushu of derech ayaro matzusha madur she liku a dain boeres. It never it never loses its heat. That's Roshan. That's the that's the arrows of a gibar. Says the alsh. Excuse me, the Al Shech HaKadosh says that's the message, the connection to Lashon Hara. It's like that Rotem wood. It's burning inside of us. Once we hear something, it's so hard to uproot it. Sha'al Yachshov. <laughs> now the Al Shech HaKadosh, the great uh, Darshan in Svat, Sha'al Yachshov <laughs> HaAdam. Sha'al Yachshov HaAdam. Sha'am Saper Lashen Hara. Biado accord Dvarav Ra'im Shedivera That I could uproot it. O Dvarav Nishkachim Mileva Shomeya. Or it could be forgotten. No, no, no. We're putting into the other person's hearts the rotem piece of wood. And at any time in the future, it could be relit. Line 22. If somebody ever tells me, if I'm, if a teacher tells the teacher who's gonna have the kids the following year, you know, so and so doesn't work so hard. It doesn't matter if the kid changes his personality over the summer and becomes the hardest worker. That teacher will always have in the back of his mind, "Well, that previous person told me he was an atzlan. And it doesn't matter how zariz he works. Show kasha who. One time he went to his homework. I got the. She told me that. Uh, right or, it it's it's so scary, but it's so true. Zui kavana gibar Besides the terrible nature of Lashon Hara, you can't, can't get out of it. And this is even the basis for a halacha. Says Rev Chaim Shmulevitz, based on a halacha. A halacha that we know, the halacha is on line 33. It's usher for a dayan to hear the words of one party before the other party is also in court. You have to have both parties in court. Why? Because if one party is there, they might formulate something in a certain way. It might like hit me in a certain way. I don't see both of them in front of me. And once I'm hit in a certain way, it's hard to get out of that thinking. And that's what we have to focus on as we read these Parshis that's Rashi says arurim arishoyim." that's a Rashi he knows exactly what he's doing he knows what what Yosef is going to do and who knows who knows whether this let's say according to the opinion that it wasn't a melech mamish, it was it was gzerosav later on in Parsha Shmos, who knows if this already laid the groundwork for that terrible gzerah that he already knew you got to watch out for those Jews because they are Ivri, Eved, Naar. Who knows if that played a role. Okay. Moving right along. pusik tests The major question on the Parsha. We'll get back to an answer that we've mentioned in past years, but just to magnify a little, it a little bit. Probably the most popular question on this week's Parsha, asked by almost every one of the Rishonim and the achronim, is, when we get into the story of Perak Mambes, the brothers come down to Mitzrayim, and Yosef sees them, and he recognizes them, and what does he do? Hi guys, I'm so happy that you're here. No. Yosef acts like a stranger. Alehem. tam kashos zayin. bosem again, And the question is, why did Yosef do what he did? Why did he have this whole charade and didn't just reveal himself? That's a major problem that one has to deal with. And all that he's shown him, pick up on different hints in the psukim to figure out exactly why Yosef did what he did. Why did not he just say, I'm here. Thank you. We don't even know what Yosef was thinking for these past uh, decades. Did Yosef think that his brothers thought that he was dead? Are his brothers still alive? Does he, does he know anything about his father? Nothing. But all we know here is that Yosef did not reveal himself. And then we have a pasuk stuck into the middle, which, according to the Ramban, is the answer to the secret. What's the very next pasuk? After Yosef doesn't recognize them, Yosef recognizes them. Yosef remembers the dreams that he had dreamed. He says, you are miraglim. He says, you you came to see the nakedness of the land. You you, you guys are, are, are miraglim. And they say, no, no, no. So he Deals with them very harshly. Says the Ramban. Says the Ramban. Let's read it, quoted in source number five. A source that we've never quoted from before. Let's at least even maybe do the question first. Shiure Chumash, that's Revol, be on for Chumash. In this week's Parsha, he asked it as, the, four, right? the way that most ask is, why didn't he also reveal it to his brothers? The other way that it's asked is, so now that he knows his father's alive, why didn't he send them a postcard? Why didn't he just like, let his father know? He knows the tsarist that his father is in. Why didn't he send him a postcard? So he says the Ramban. He quotes the Ramban's day What does the Ramban hold? The Ramban holds, and many follow him and give offshoots of the Ramban's suggestion. Yosef thought his dreams were a nevua that he had to make sure had to be fulfilled. That's the Ramban. Yosef Hevin, line 3. These were true dreams. He had to help them and facilitate the dreams to become fulfilled. He needed, what did he need? Right. He needed all of his brothers to bow down to him. Binyamin didn't come. He needed the dream. He needed 11 11, to bow down to him. And the only way to do that, Binyamin wasn't going to bow down to him if he knew he was Yosef. So he needed to figure out a way to get Binyamin down without giving up on the dreams being fulfilled. And that's why he couldn't tell his father. Even though he realized the pain that his father must be in and that he did not accept Tanhumin all of these years, it was an actual prophecy. Getting back to the Revzevan from before. That's the Ramban. But now says Revolbi, the author of Ali Shur. Let's think about this for a minute. What. Question one, which we're not going to deal with, is who put Yosef as God? Who said that he? Who said that this is a Navua? So he understood it as a nevuah. Okay, but now let's think about. Let's put ourselves in Yosef's shoes. Yosef realizes his father is alive, his brothers are here, and he realizes what his father has must have been going through all these all these years. So emotionally. Yosef wants to reveal himself right now. Yosef is, is wishing he could reveal himself. But in his mind, in his mind, he says, Hashem gave me a nevuah that I have to try to make sure to fulfill. That's what's happening here. It's the sechel versus the lave. The mind is telling Yosef what he needs to do, and his heart says, I, How could I not? Echadam yachola kasheh. How did Yosef decide not to? He was probably in tremendous pain that he couldn't reveal himself to his father. But he couldn't. Why? Because Yosef perfected himself to have his seichel overrule his life. This is what Kaddish Baruch wants. I'm not going to let my emotions rule. Emotions are very important in halacha and in Torah and in Hashkafa. but not when it comes into battle with what a baruch Hu wants from us. The seichel umasha What the seichel? What a baruch Hu wants from me? That's what I have to do. mevin zehu that is a chiv, that's an even another pshat too, Derech Eretz Kadmal not just what we call derech Eretz. But Derek Eretz might be, Hanhaga, he says, shall Seichel, what we had to do, right? You don't have a greater example of this than the Akedah. That was the ultimate Seichel overriding the Hargasha, the love that Avraham Avinu had for his esbincha, Bincha, Es Yechidcha, Asher Es Yitzchak. Right, there's no greater, but Yosef in his own way, has that challenge as well, and that's what he does. And that's what, Sezer Volbi, is the entire Sefer Brashas. We have it. Abram Yisroel Yitzchak Yaakov. Sefer Brashas is called Sefer Hayashar. Right? Sefer Yashar, the way of the right, the way of the straight. Because they were able to see straight with a Seichel Hayashar, with a Yashrus, right, that sometimes our emotions do not let us uh, view our avodas Hashem in an objective manner as is quoted based on using a melitzah from halacha of Saras, ain't adam roe mro'a That literally means you're not allowed to see your own Saras spots to decide if they're Saras or not. But it's expanded to mean we don't see our own faults. We don't see our own, we, we, we can't be objective with ourselves. So we could use our emotions to try to change the seichel a little bit. Yosef had the seichel. This is what I need to do, even if it means al alitzlan in this case that I'm in pain because my father is in pain. One thought. Related to this, not specifically, but once we have Revolve the Open, and we've never used it before, I turned a couple of pages, and we have another thought. And that is, a couple of sukkim later, the next time they come down. The second time the brothers come down to Mitzrayim, what do we have? Yosef is a little more jovial with them, now that he sees his brother, right, his uh, paternal and maternal brother, and what does he do? They sit down, and he gives them food. And parak mem gimel he gives them to drink. Vayishtu vayishkuru imo. They drink, and they drink a lot. Vayishtu vayishkuru imo. Rashi vayishkuru imo. Umi yom shemachruhu yayin vlohu yayin. Since the day that he was sold, the brothers had not drunk wine. And Yosef had not drunk any wine. This was the first time. Why? Why is Rashi saying this? Because obviously, Chazal are bothered. What do we need this detail for? Yosef, it says, they had a meal. It says they had a meal. So what do we need to know? That they drunk and they became drunk, so to speak. So the emphasis of Chazal is that this was the first time. This was the first time. Says Revolvi. Line six. Lamalo shasu ya'in lohu why didn't they drink wine all these years? Why didn't they drink wine? First of all, the brothers decided to sell him. The brothers said that he was, for whatever reason, putting them in danger. Maybe according to the summary shown him, he was a Rodaf, right? Because all the previous generations, there was somebody rejected. Yeshua was rejected for Yitzchak and Esav was rejected for Yaakov. So they thought they were going to be rejected. Right? So they would don him that they have to sell him. So why didn't they drink anything? Or, why did Yosef not drink anything? He had no idea what was going on. Says Revolbi, you learn from both, Yosef and his brothers, the idea of what it means to be no seolim chavero. Yosef lo ishtaker beglal atzar shahayal aviv. Yosef knew his father was in pain even before the brothers came down, putting these two together. And he couldn't drink wine if his brothers, if his father was in pain. He had to have his seichel override, but he felt for his father. He felt. And then they said, we have to sell him. It doesn't mean that they were happy about it. They were 100% wrong, but even though they thought that they were right, it still bothered them. As we know, when Bezdin puts somebody to death once every seventy years or seventy years, they have to fast that day. Why do they have to fast? Because it's a serious day. The person is Misa. No, say Khavero. There's another Jew in trouble. There's another Jew in pain. This is the uniqueness about Jewish law and all all other systems of law. When it comes to Jewish law, the person who I'm involved in, who I'm judging, I still have to feel for. And I still have to be sensitive to. Other judges, it's a job. It's a job, and I do my job, and then I leave. No. No. We have to be bizarre, We have to feel it. We have to feel it. Then he quotes a fascinating story from Elia Lepian. Elia Lepian said, quoted a story from the Saba Mikelm that Shabbos for the Shab- Saba Mikelm, or the altar from Kelm, depending where you, which yeshiva you learned in, at least say Saba or altar? He says Shabbos, he was always in a different world on Shabbos. He dressed differently. He looked differently. The food was different. But what's more? acheres he looked totally different. He was a different world on Shabbos, like we all should be. Palm one time he came on a Friday night and didn't look like Shabbos. You could see he was very upset about something, very upset. And the Talmud didn't know; they didn't want to ask the Rebbe. They waited till mosi Shabbos and they asked him. They said, "He said, well, so What's the matter?'" He sighed and he said, "You know, you know who died yesterday? You know who died yesterday?" Quotes here. Peretz, Peretz Solenskin. He was a, could uh, Google it, check it on, uh, on Wikipedia. He was an early, uh, in the reform movement, in the, uh, Haskalah. He was a big guy in, the, uh, in that movement. He died yesterday. So Rebbe, why are you so sad about that? You know what pain his Neshama must be going through now? Now that he sees the MS? The Saba from Cal. It ruined his Shabbos knowing that this fellow Jew who caused so much sorrows in his lifetime was now paying for it and was now, you know, going through what he was going through. No se olim chaveiro. Even if somebody is my enemy, but no se olim chaveru. That's a story. Okay, one final thought related to the Parsha and then one related to Hanukkah. So at the end of the parsha we have something very significant. What is that? We have the only birthday recorded in all of Tanakh. The only time someone's birthday is related, the end of the parsha we have, Paro is having a birthday part. Uh, Paro is having a, uh, uh, birthday, p- uh, actually not here. It's actually in the end of, actually I wanted to talk about it in the last week, but it's actually at the end of the, uh, the previous discussion, but once we're talking about, uh, Discussion in, in uh, last week's uh, last week's parsha uh, by Maftir of but I wanted to get one more word in about Paro and Yom who led that at Paro because I didn't get to talk about it last week. It was the end of the parsha. not this week, the end of last week's parsha. So Paro had a birthday. Something fascinating relating to birthdays, and that is there is a Yerushalmi. Where's the Yerushalmi quoted? Looking in source number seven. Source number seven is from Kamosi Shalal Rav. <coughs> On Sefer, on Sefer, Yehoshua, let's go back for a minute to see where this Yerushalmi is is mentioned. Where the Yerushalmi is mentioned? If you look in the the beginning of the of uh, of source number seven, the passage is quoted by Yehoshua ben Nun when he fought certain battles. One battle in the middle of Sefer Yehoshua, it says, "Shemesh be be alone." stops the sun and the moon, stops it. He says to the sun, "Dome, be silent, stop your orbit." Stop your rotation. And the question is that the Mefarshim ask, why do you have to stop the sun and the moon? They were going to win the battle. So the Mefarshim say, no, he didn't want the day to end. He didn't want the day to end. He wanted to finish this battle today. Why? So some say, oh, it was Erev Shabbos. He didn't want that to have to be Mechal Shabbos. But the Yerushalmi, based on the Yerushalmi, there's another answer given. Based on the Yerushalmi, suggested here by the Kamosi Shalal Raf. What's the answer given? The Yerushalmi on Source 17 tells us. When Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yehoshua in the end of Eshalach, Bechar lanu anashim, it's say, go fight Amalek tomorrow. What do you mean tomorrow? Not today. What do you mean tomorrow? Says the Yerushalmi, the Amalekim were using every power in their arsenal to be able to fight the Jews. And you know who they put into the battlefield to fight us today? They're ready to battle today. They put people whose birthdays were today because there's special mazel on one's birthday. And therefore he tells Yeshua, get ready to fight, but don't go till tomorrow. So they don't have that mazel. (coughs) Yeshua binun, when he was fighting here, if you remember, when he was fighting the five kings here in Paragyud, they were the five kings that were ganging up on the Givonim. That just made a pact with Am Yisrael, and they were going to fight the Givonim, and they were ready. They were going to get ready to fight tomorrow. So they had everybody whose birthday was tomorrow in the battlefield, ready to fight. They were going to have a special mazel that day. That's what Yeshua says. I don't want today to end because I want to fight them today. I want to finish the battle today because today is the day that they don't have that mazel. And he even says, he says that's even the the depth of the Gemara in Mesechus Megillah which explains what was Haman's mistake Haman's mistake was that he was so happy that it fell out in Adar because he knew Moshe Rabbeinu died in Adar he just didn't know that Moshe Rabbeinu also was born in Adar so what that he was born he also died in Adar no when somebody dies on his birthday special mazel. so even though yes I will mention that Yadus when we remember someone who has passed on, we celebrate yard sites and not birthdays, right? We don't celebrate a birthday like Washington's birthday or Lincoln's <coughs> birthday. We don't celebrate birthdays. We celebrate yard sites because we focus on what a person accomplished in their life, and that's why the pasuk says "Tov Yom Hamaves But in terms of one's own power within one's lifetime, the Yerushalmi says. The special koach on a birthday, and we learned that from none other than Paro, the only birthday that's mentioned at the end of last week's parasha, um having to do with his party with the Saramashkim and the Sarhaof. Okay. We can talk about Paro for the next six weeks, so it's okay. One final thought related to Hanukkah. One final thought related to Hanukkah. Famous discussion. There are many famous mm. questions related to Hanukkah. One of them being, why isn't Hanukkah in Mishnais? Why is it in the Mishnais Rebu right? Danasi lived after the Hanukkah story and he left it out. There are, there are a number of, of references, side references to Hanukkah in Baba Kama and in Bikurim and in Megillah. A couple of references here and there, but there's no Hilchas Hanukkah. Right? We have to wait for the Gemara. So why is that? Number one, why isn't Hanukkah in the Mishnais So one of the suggestions given a beautiful suggestion given by Rav Mirsky, and he quotes his father in one of his svarim, is that it is not in Torah Sheb and therefore it can't be in Torah Balpe. Torah Shebbal by definition, a Mishnah has to be expansion. What is so much of Gemara and Mishnah based on P'sukim? You'll learn Ad from P'sukim. So if there are no psukim, Chanukah is not in Tanakh. If there are no psukim, there's no Torah Shebech Sav, so therefore there can't be Torah Shebaal Peh. And that is why it is not in Mishnais. You might ask them, why was it left out? Was it too late? Did they already canonize? Okay. But if you look in the Yotar and in, on Chanukah, he quotes from Avonis and Ivesh in the Yarez Dvash that really during the times of Chanukah, there were different sects of Jews, as we usually have two sects of Jews: those who rejected everything and those who accepted everything. The Misnayavnim and the Chashmonoim. explains the the Torah. No, if you look in the history books, there were also the Tzdukim. There were those who accepted Torah Shebichsav and not Torah Shabalpeh. He says you look in Josephus and you look in others, and part of what happened by the nace of the Pach Hashemen that was lit for eight days. And all of that is based on halacha of Torah Shebalpeh. So that proved that not only were those who followed Torah correct, but those who followed Torah sheb'al Peh were the ones that were correct. And ironically, Hanukkah is not in Torah Shebalpeh, but it is purely Torah Shebalpeh. Peh. It's not in Tanakh, and it's not in Mishnah. It is the most Torah Sheba literally holiday that we have. Because the entire story proved, says of Jonas and Ibishitz, that Torah Sheba is the real force behind Am Yisrael. And one final detail, the clincher, says of Shlomo Zaman in source number 10, the whole story. Is based on the premise of Torah Shabbal Pear. Why? The story of the miracle of the Nez Pach Pachasheman. Who saw? How many Jews saw that the oil stayed lit for eight days? How many Jews? Where was the menorah? Where is the menorah kept? Remember they had a, the base of Megdash wasn't destroyed, they had a base of Megdash. So where was the menorah? It was in the heichal. How many Jews saw into the heichal? Maybe a few. How many Kohanim were in the Heichal? You can't just go into the Heichal whenever you want. You have to go in for the Avodah. So the Kohanim did the avoda. So how many Jews knew about it? One, two, how did they know what happened? Torah Shebaal Pe. They were told about it. And they believed it. The entire miracle was transmitted, Baal Peh. It wasn't as if we didn't even see it occur, says of Shlomo Zalman. Chanukah is the holiday of Torah Shebaal Pe. It's the holiday that celebrates. It's not even our written Torah Shebaal Not even like Purim. It's a celebration of Torah Shebaal Those were the Jews that were the victorious. And that's how it happened. And there's even one more remez that I heard recently. And that is the beginning of the most famous Hanukkah story in Shabbos. My Hanukkah, the Taner Abbanan. What's Hanukkah? The Taner Abbanan. you have to ask your Rebbe about what Hanukkah is. That's the message of Hanukkah. The measure of Chanukah is given over from father to child, from parent to child, from Rebbe to Talmud, from generation to generation, Torah, Sheval Peh. Okay, we'll stop here. next week. We'll hopefully get back to a Wednesday, um, the night right after Chanukah. Be'zashem with the uh, Parshir for Vayigash. Okay, we'll stop.